0: This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. And a good Erev Shabbos. I'm Mashi Lipsker. And it is Erev Shabbos of a powerful, powerful Torah reading. And we are told that the Torah reading actually affects the energy of the time. It is a time of revelation, as in Revelation at Sinai. It is a time of becoming more of commitment. And I want to say hi to our friends at our parents' home and to all the listeners out there who support us here at Chai FM and are listening here today. I am very thrilled to be able to welcome Mushki Barber the Shlucha from Mauritius. In truth, this is a very special week for the Chabad emissaries around the world. For in a week's time, a week from Wednesday, will be the thirtieth yahrzeit of the Rebbezun Chaim Mushka, the esteemed Rebbezun of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, and women will gather from around the world to commemorate this auspicious day and to draw inspiration from her legendary memory and her legendary legacy. The Rebbe Sim was a very private person, and it was only after her passing that gems emerged of what type of woman was the partner of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Indeed, here in Johannesburg, we will be celebrating we will be commemorating. We will be, draw- we will be drawing inspiration at a very special evening on the 7th of February next Wednesday night at the Sydenham Shul Hall, just for women. And our very special overseas guest who will address us by the name of Mrs. Louise Hager, is someone who was privileged to have a personal relationship with the Rebitson for 20 years. She met the Rebitson when she was but 14 years old and the relationship continued until the Rebitson passed away in 1988. We're very fortunate that she will be with us on the radio next Friday to share some of those recollections. But today we're very fortunate that... The Rebbe's emissary to Mauritius, Mushki Barber, is with us in the studio. And today we want to speak about the Ten Commandments with a different slant. Thrilled to
1: be here again. Really an honor. And for me, what you're mentioning, the Rebbe's wife's yurt that's coming up, is especially pertinent, being as I am named for her together with tens of thousands of girls around the world. And I believe I was the third girl in South Africa to receive the name, being born just a few short months after
0: her passing. It was ten weeks later, I remember, and the truth is, the Rebotson had always been an enigma because she kept herself so low-key and hidden. And it was a huge honor and privilege to be able to give the name. Today, we're focusing on the Parsha, which is the Parsha of the giving of the Torah. And interestingly, everything that happened at Sinai happens again at every chuppah, the commitment that God made to the Jewish people and that the Jewish people made to Hashem is mirrored in the commitment that every man and woman makes to one another when they stand under the chuppah. And all the analogies are there. In fact, we're told that the candles with which chos kala, chatan the bride and groom are led to the chuppah, remind us of the lights, the candles, there were torches, we are told. And we have those torches to lead the bride and groom to the chuppah. The marriage ring is considered the the object with which the marriage is sealed. Well, the Torah is considered the marriage ring, which binds the Jewish nation to God. The Ten Commandments are considered the ketubah the actual marriage contract. All the customs of the wedding are rooted in that first monumental wedding where God was the bridegroom and the Jewish nation was the bride. And a bond was made, a commitment was made. And everything in our relationship, whether it's as husband and wife, parent and child, brother and sister, good friends, can draw strength, can draw a lesson, and can then not only learn from the giving of the Torah, but teaches us about God's intense love for us. He loves us as dearly as a wife, a child, a sister, a bride. And although our relationship with him sometimes becomes a little bit strained, that essential bond is there, And it is so easy, as it were, to bring the feelings, the fresh feelings, the feelings of commitment, the feelings of absolute devotion to the four. We're told that the Torah itself was the blueprint for creating the entire world. Our sages tell us God looked into the Torah and created the world. And this Torah of ours that we read about being given in this week's portion is all encapsulated in the Ten Commandments. They are the the basic titles, as it were, under which all the laws of the Torah fall. And the Torah is called a Torah of life. It can teach us so much about life. A Torah of truth. We cannot improve on truth. And after this short break, Mushki and I will talk a bit more about its practical application. From talk to music, from Johannesburg to Israel, from sport to business, this is 101.9 FM. An army marches on its stomach and so does a community. Join Sharon Lurie at Tuesdays at 11 a.m. for the High FM Cooking Corner. Come hungry. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipskar. Pick and Pay Hyper Norwood has the following specials, valid until 4th of February. Visit our Hyper for these amazing 100 Rand deals. You get Pick and Pay lo- Long Life Milk, six one-liter cartons, now sixty-five ninety each. Um, I guess this has nothing to do with the hundred rand deals. You'll have to get to the hyper to see those. These are other things. Pick and Pay White Sugar, two and a half kilogram, now thirty-two ninety each. Pick and Pay Two Ply Toilet Tissue, the Nines, White. Buy any two for 70 rand. You will save 37 rand on that. No name, 7 kilo potatoes, 7 kilo butternut. Pick and pay 3 kilo onions. Ah, buy all three for 100 rand. No name, light meat shredded tuna in salt water. 170 grams. Buy 10 for 100 rand. That's Pick and Pay Hyper Norwood. I'm Ashi Lipsker. This is 101.9 Chai FM. And in the studio here with me is Mushki Barber, the shlucha of the Lubavitcher Rebbe to Mauritius. And we are talking relationships, marriage, and the Torah being given in this week's Parsha by God in an awesome, awesome revelation of godliness that the world has never seen and will not see again until the Mashiach comes, takes place in this week's parasha. And we're comparing the relationship between God and the Jewish people to a marriage. And we're also saying that every single one of the wonderful relationships that we have and nurture and experience, can teach us something about the immense multifaceted love that God has for us. I love how
1: we're making this correlation between God and the Jewish nation and a marriage. Because on the one hand, the Ten Commandments, almost everyone's heard of them. The Ten Commandments, I mean, yesterday, my little one came home. We're here for a few weeks, and she's in the Torah Academy School. And she came home, and she was rattling off those Ten Commandments. It was quite uh, a viral moment through the family. We took the video, sending it all around. As she was telling us each thing you're, you know as she's just this little four-year-old child, but she had the numbers down pattern, which is which. And that's what the Ten Commandments are. You learn them. You know them. You don't do this. You don't do that. You do do this. But at the same time, there's such an enigma. This relationship with God, it's so talked about, but practically, what is it? How is it? Marriage is so talked about. I mean, if you go into any bookstore there are shelves upon shelves of relationship advice of marriage advice of how to do this who knows what about this this expert in this part of marriage that part of marriage how to have the perfect relationship yet is there such a thing as a perfect relationship it almost seems impossible to achieve both of these ideas seem so well explored but both have this cloak of interesting, non, not yet, not yet understood mystery about them, which is an amazing thing to look at. Why is that? Because there is the space within the relationship of a husband and wife, within the relationship between us and Hashem. There is the, res- the space for someone's individuality. Because if it could all be found in a book, why do I need to add my own uniqueness to it? If, could, if it could all be found in the book, then the same that I could give in a marriage, a different wife could give in my same marriage. If it could all be found in the book, what does Hashem, what does God need from my relationship with him that he can't get from a relationship with someone else? The cloak of mystery is us. Because it's our uniqueness that's going to add that extra dimension. No one can write in a book how we're going to translate our idea and understanding of a marriage. No one can write in a book how we see a relationship between ourselves and God. That still is developing within us. But we need to be courageous enough to know that there's space for us to give our input. That, yes, as much as we need the professional input, whether it's in our religious life of a rabbi, of a rabbitson, the inspiration we get from going to shul, we need to find that spark deep within us to connect to God. Because we're here for a reason that there was never been a me before and there'll never be a me after. We're in our own marriage Because it's us that needs to give in that marriage. Because that husband or that wife could have married anyone, but they didn't. Because there's a uniqueness that is not generic. And there's a uniqueness that if we only have the guts to say, I matter. My opinion on what this could be, my goals, my expectations of where I could take My relationships with parents, with children, with friends, with a spouse, with Hashem could be limitless (laughs) because
0: we are a unique being. And that mystery is us. Amazing. I love what you've said. It is so, so moving to hear a young person express it like that. And in truth... God created our potential. He created us, everything about us, and there's very little that's left to us. You know, it's, it's always a question I
1: had as a child. What's the point of anything if God knows the outcome? It's almost as if the book is there. You know, you pick a book off the, the library shelf, and it's been written, the end is there it's not that as you read it the words appear on the page the book's been written by the author it's done what, what does it make a difference if I read the book if someone else reads the book when it comes to an individual we have that potential of free choice and as much as you know why God knows the book yes he wrote the book but it's almost as if he just flipped to the end of the book and looked what the ending would be what's the punchline But we get to make that punchline. So, yes, he's had a glimpse into it. But we have the potential, the power, the choice to say, how is this
0: road going to take me to where I need to go? Awesome. And that's exactly what we see in the Ten Commandments. In fact, when we look at the first five, they are the do's. And the last five, they are the do nots. Yes, each one carries a tremendous amount of wisdom for every relationship. Obviously, the first one: "I am the Lord your God who took you out of Egypt." We know, and we also know that when the um, wording is looked at, it's not "I am the Lord your God" in the plural. It's, Anoichi Hashem Elokecho. And in Hebrew, Elokecho means your God in the singular, to each and every individual. We don't have that in English. The word your is the word your. But in Hebrew, that suffix denotes, I am the Lord, your God,
1: personal. I love that because I find that... Thank God the world has been around thousands of years and there have been generations and the Bobbers, and the Zadas and the Shtetlach and Europe and Lithuania and North America and the comings and the goings. What am I? But whatever time we find ourselves in, we hear this parasha and Shul and it says, I am Hashem, your God. You could be someone Sitting somewhere, who may think, What am I in this whole big picture? If I do, if I don't, meh, you know, how's it going to take it any further? No, it is as much yours as it was Moses's, <laughs> it's as much yours as it was the Bob in Lithuania's, it's as much yours as any great leader you can think of in your mind because you matter as
0: much in your uniqueness in the potential that only you have and of course we're told that we were all there at Sinai our souls were all there and we all said yes we buy in and we all heard God address us in the individual in fact our sages tell us that when the Lord's voice thundered forth everyone received it according to where they were at so if there was someone who was old or fragile in health or a pregnant woman, she didn't get the first the full force. She heard it in a way that she could absorb and and take it in. And the hardy men, they heard it in the way they
1: needed to hear it and so on. That talks to me in the in what we were just discussing of mirroring this relationship of the Ten Commandments against marriage. Why? Because there are times in our marriage that we could feel like the hardiest, strongest person. And if someone says something in a voice, like that booming voice of Hashem, you know, a jovial manner, oh, this, oh, that, we could take it like that. But there's times when we're like a sensitive child that we need things to be said in more of a gentle way. There are times that we feel we could carry the whole weight of the world on our shoulders and there's times that we feel that we need to be carried. And in a marriage, it's all about, not about eggshells, but knowing how to dance the dance of marriage. When is the time to carry your partner and to know right now they can't shoulder something else. Right now I need to be the big strong person in the marriage carrying it all. And when is the time that I'm allowed to give that over and I can be carried. Hmm. Because if we learn to dance the dance, we will enjoy
0: the music. Sure. That's so beautiful. So going back to that first commandment, I am the Lord your God. What can we learn from that in our marriage? I am the Lord your God. Let there be no doubt. The one you married, that's the one. I married the right one. So many people... Look around. And they wonder, did I marry the right one? I could have married so-and-so. I was too stupid. I could have married so-and-so. I got bad advice. I am the Lord your God puts it down in clear terms. So the first thing is you married the right person. Wherever you are, that's where you're meant to be at that moment. Yeah. And we need to live in the present. And we need to embrace the present because if we live in the past and we live with guilt, we cannot build.
1: And at the same time, if we live in the future, we cannot build. (laughs) So often... People have ideas of what a marriage is going to be. Oh, I am going to marry this guy. He's going to be like this. His mother's going to talk to me like that. I'm going to make dinners that look like this. Our children are going to do this, this, and that. Oh, they will never do what Mrs. So-and-so's children, my children never. (laughs) Oh, we have a picture in our minds what it's going to be like. And guess what? Not just it's a fairy a dream. It's a fairy tale. It's a fantasy. It's, but a fantasy could become a reality. This can't because you're talking about human beings. And someone who's living in the future while in the present can never actualize any potential because all they are saying is, why is it not this? Why is it not that? Not look at the beauty that I
0: do have in front of me. Wow. That's so beautiful. So let's look at the second commandment. You shall not have any other gods. Don't compare your spouse to others. As you say, focus on the good. If we start to look elsewhere, not only in the past we think we married the wrong person, but now we're comparing all the time. Why didn't he pull the chair out for me? Why didn't she make an effort in my direction? Why didn't he compliment me on the dinner? Why didn't? Why doesn't he have the finesse, the good taste? Why doesn't she have the sensitivity, the sale? Why doesn't she bother to get a bit more dressed up? And all of this. Just like my neighbor's wife does. Just like my neighbor's husband does. We have to stop that. But do you know that what you're seeing, that the
1: neighbor's wife is, or that the guy down the street, how he treats his wife, not only you don't have the full picture, you don't even have a fraction of the picture. We know everybody puts on their best for the world to see. That's what you're seeing in others. But even more than that, there's the, the story of, you know, everyone's complaining. I want this life. I want that life. Good. God says, listen here, take your problems, put them in a pile and take anyone else's problems you want and go. Oh, everyone's excited because this one, their life is easy. That one, oh, Oh, I could deal with that easily. Everyone throws their problems in a pile. And the minute they get a look at everyone else's problems, they are so fast to grab their own back because we are equipped to deal with what we need to deal with and we need to know that we have the full picture only of ourselves (laughs) we don't understand really what's going on with someone else maybe he opened the car door for
0: her because it's a new car (laughs) nothing to do with her (laughs) awesome yeah we don't even have the full picture of, of ourselves if we're all busy trying to fix up somebody else yeah We need to think about ourselves. It's so true. The third commandment, don't take God's name in vain. Be very careful when you speak about your spouse. Do not speak lightly or needlessly about your spouse. Do not take your spouse's name in vain. And I think on top of that also, don't take
1: your spouse for granted. (laughs) Don't just say this is here today it'll be here tomorrow
0: appreciate oh yes commandment number four remember the sabbath day to keep it holy what is shabbos shabbos is a warm family space shabbos is a space of being nicely dressed with good food going to shul something warm and pleasant remember to create good memories It's up to us as mothers to actually create a wonderful space and the fathers, but the women do lead the way, to create good memories that can be cherished and then to stop and pause and remember, why did I marry this person? She was so gentle. She was so caring. I actually saw a wonderful
1: little clip online. Of someone who had a fabulous idea once in a while she would either send her husband a text or he would send her a text and they had some code figured out and he would ask her out or she would ask him out now they wouldn't mention it but they knew say on Wednesday night they were going out now this is was going to be a first date they wouldn't mention it but at the assigned time on the assigned evening either him or her would knock on the door And, oh, how nice to meet you. And they would go out, and they'd never met before. So they wouldn't talk about their financial woes. They wouldn't talk about bills that need to be be paid. They wouldn't talk about the children. They wouldn't talk about, oh, the house. I want to get to know you. Sure. If we focus on making moments count and making those memories, Hmm. we will really get to know one another
0: in that new light every day so beautiful and that's the fourth commandment remember remember to create the memories invest yourself in creating and the fifth commandment honor your father and mother parents in-laws everybody's in-laws or somebody else's parents no matter how difficult it might be respect your parents and his parents, or her parents. It's true, you mustn't get unbalanced. Your spouse comes first. People who are married to their mothers or whatever are not exactly mm-hmm. good marriage material. But respect, kabed. Like, commandment number four is remember. Commandment number five is honor. This brings to mind, this week we had Tubishvat
1: the Festival of Trees and I have such an interesting tidbit to share right after the
0: break. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. I'm Mashi Lipsker, I have the pleasure, the distinct pleasure, of having my own mother with us today in the studio and my dear daughter, the Rebbe Shlucha to Mauritius. Special to be here. And we are talking the Ten Commandments practically in relationships. Talking about building your relationship with the first five of the Ten Commandments. The first five which talk to us about be in the present. Let there be no doubt. Don't compare. Don't speak lightly about the other. Remember to create good memories and honor, respect, be careful. To have a balance in the people you respect, respect your parents, your in-laws, respect your spouse. Oh yes. And then we come to six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and this is on the other side. The don'ts. Be careful. Do not. And we know what they are. You know, don't murder. It's a good one. Yeah. We mustn't take Someone's life, God forbid, we mustn't steal, etc., etc. What we need to talk about, though, thank God, the overwhelming majority of the population are not murderers. They wouldn't feel good to even some people to to squash an ant. You wouldn't hurt a fly. (laughs) But somehow, there's an aspect that we don't take into account the commentator, the Ibn Ezra comments, what does it mean, do not murder? Because you have to remember, all of the Ten Commandments apply to us. As we said in the beginning,
1: I am Hashem, your God. As much as we want to take the good individually to ourselves, we need to realize that each of these speaks to us. So one may not be. A physical murderer, God forbid.
0: But as you were saying, the Ibn Ezra says... The Ibn Ezra says, do not murder with your hand. Do not murder with your tongue. Right. Physical abuse. Verbal abuse. How many of us understand the value of when someone says, how are you? And someone gives us an uplifting greeting. How often are the arrows of a sharp word hurting people and the pain doesn't go away. The per- the pain reverberates and reverberates. You know,
1: I remember in I think it was grade five or six, there was an instant that someone had gotten extremely embarrassed. And our teacher at that time spoke to us about how embarrassing a person is like killing them. Why is that? Because when you embarrass someone, the first thing is their face becomes flushed, their face becomes red, and then the color drains from their face to this white lifelessness. We don't realize sometimes trying to say something to impress someone else or saying something because we haven't thought it through that effect that word has and how long it can be carried with that person and have a negative effect for years to come.
0: And here we are trying to build. We're trying to build our lives, the lives of our children, the lives of our friends, our family, and certainly the lives of our significant others. So be careful when you handle. Tread lightly. Watch your tongue. The mothers were
1: right when they said, if you have nothing nice to say, say nothing at all. (laughs) Number
0: seven. We could translate number 7 as be faithful. Recognize that some of the areas of your relationship are private. Respect the private time, the private space. Treat it as sacred. People with a loose tongue who don't understand that there are boundaries we don't cross. Don't take something that doesn't belong to you and nurture what is Yours. Recognize this spouse and you. You and this friend. You're trying to build something, a unit, which belongs to both of you. And within that space, there has to be confidentiality. There has to be respect. That's the only way that you build trust. Otherwise, you're stealing from the other. You're taking things away from yourself trust. Trust cannot be bought. It has to be earned. And God forbid, when trust is broken, it's very hard to get it back on track. And so be faithful. Be careful. And number eight, don't steal. And this is another aspect did we miss one? No, seven. I think we were at "Don't steal." Yeah, that was no. That
1: was "Be faithful." We we worked we're, it out. We're that switching one. them backwards. <laughs> but I think they are—they're interchangeable because if your relationship is sacred, and you know, we talk about in the davening when we talk about matavu ahalecha Yaakov, why were the Jewish tents seen as sacred? Because their doors were not facing one another. And when their doors were not facing one another, they weren't prying into one another's lives. We shouldn't pry into someone else's as much as we don't want them to pry into our own. Keep it sacred. No one needs to look in the tent of your door. You don't need to look in someone else's because that will automatically lead to, oh, why isn't he this? Why isn't
0: she that? And that's a stepping out of the relationship. Number seven is do not commit adultery. We're calling it be faithful. And it's next door to do not steal. Don't take away what really belongs to someone else. And that don't steal, we've got a very interesting slant on it that is very good for building relationships. Give credit. Yeah. It won't cost you anything, but it can build the relationship incredibly you know the person who's generous with their words they give credit to their wife the man who was studying for years got a degree and everybody's applauding him the man who sat for years writing a book and everyone's praising him how while his life was going on did he manage to do that Give credit to the wife who looked after the children so that this could happen. Give credit to the husband who stayed home with the kids or sent you on vacation. It's got to be a generous relationship. Don't hold everything for yourself. Don't take credit for everything. It doesn't make
1: you any less of a person to acknowledge someone else's doings. In fact.
0: It makes you more of a person. Always. Always. And it's so important to cultivate that because what you give away by giving credit, you get back infinite, infinite, in infinite measure. Number nine, don't bear false witness. In a relationship, the most important thing is open communication. These are called the aceres hadibrois, the ten commandments and we said in the beginning that man is communicator he's midaber god spoke he told us what he wanted of us unless we're going to speak to our spouses i love that saying that you don't get prophecy under the chuppah (laughs) it's not what they give out you step out of that chuppah you've begun a journey together but you are not one you come from two different places, two different upbringings. One is male, one is female. That's two universes. As they say, men
1: are from Mars, women are from Venus. It's, we're not even remotely
0: understandable to the other. Absolutely. So don't accuse. Don't think just because we stepped out of the chuppah, if he loved me, he would know. If he loved me, he would understand me. Open your mouth. Initiate and share. But don't share in a way that will shut the other one out. You know the I message and the you message? When you say you, 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 do it, the person stops listening. But you could always say I, I feel. And try, if you can, to send a message of, I'm not very happy with something or I'm confused about something, but I'm not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. I'm in. That's it. Yeah. And of course, number 10, do not covet. Don't covet your neighbor's house, uh, his wife, his manservant, maidservant, servant ox, donkey, whatever belongs to your neighbor. Don't be jealous. Don't be resentful. As you said before, Somebody else has the bigger house, the bigger car, the easier life. But there is a point we want to make, maybe to the husbands out there. A husband generally is free to come and go. You know, we had that lovely YouTube where the woman was talking about the man says, I'm tired, I'm going to bed, and he goes. Yes. (laughs) Do you remember it? brilliant. (laughs) The woman says, I'm going to bed. And she then makes the kids' lunches, closes all the curtains, puts in a load of laundry, sweeps up from the kids, plans a menu for tomorrow, etc., etc., etc. A woman, by virtue of how God made us, by virtue of all the privileges that we have in bringing children into this world and nurturing them, in creating a home, etc., Sometimes we are misunderstood, and a woman can feel stuck. She can feel stuck at home. She can feel stuck with the one who has to see to the breakfast, the children, the nappies, see to the laundry, see to the lift schemes, arrange everything. If she wants to go out, she has to get a babysitter. And sometimes resentment can build up that, wow, he's going to work. He's just leaving all this behind. It's good if a man becomes sensitive to that idea that a woman can feel stuck. And it's good also that a woman should be sensitive to the fact that it's not so easy to earn a living. When the man is a provider and he goes out into the world, the world is a jungle. It's not easy to keep your job. It's not easy to compete. It's not easy to bring home that salary check. And we need to appreciate each other and the roles that each one, their God-given roles, the roles that each one plays. A little bit of Spoken appreciation goes miles. Wow! If only people would realize, women especially, like when you think, what does a woman want? Does she want a fur? Does she want a diamond? Does she want a holiday? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but those words of appreciation go very deep. And you know,
1: as we were talking before about this week, there was Tuvishvat. What's what is Shubhishvat is, if you ask my four-year-old, it's the birthday of the trees. Let's have a party. <laughs> what is it? It's the day that we recognize the other forces of life in this world, vegetation. And when we look at vegetation, if you look at a tree, what is there? A tree has roots buried deep in the ground. And a tree has fruits. Now, we were speaking before about respecting one's parents in a marriage, respecting one's in-laws, which is not always the easiest thing to do. But we need to remember that without the roots, there can never be fruits. Without the past, there can never be a future. Those roots, those parents, those grandparents center us and tie us to the important things in life. But... Without those fruits, what's really the point of the root? Just buried deep in the ground. Those roots enable us to grow, to grow wings, and to bear delicious fruit and to go out into the world. And we need to remember as much as a mother-in-law may not be the easiest to deal with, she gave you the love of your life. And she must have done something right to mold this person who
0: you married I don't think it's easy for a woman to give away her precious son no one's giving anyone away oh, we can share absolutely on that note we wish everyone a good Shabbos and we also want to remind everyone that this coming week is a very special week in the Chabad calendar there will be a very big gathering in New York of thousands of the Rebbe's women emissaries and their guests, and their parents to attend workshops and to draw strength to visit the graveside of the Rebbe and to rededicate themselves to the mission that the Rebbe inspired us with, and that is the mission of bringing Mashiach to this world. Good Shabbos. Amen. A good Shabbos.